you wonder how the ancient truth of the Bible intersects with today's news? Do you believe in God's promises to the people and the land of Israel? Welcome to the Lone Star Podcast, a weekly conversation to expand your mind and encourage your soul. Our hosts live in the two Lone Star states, Rabbi Dove Lipman in Israel and Pastor Trey Graham in Texas. This podcast is your opportunity to learn the truth about the God of Israel from two people who love Israel. Please follow us on Twitter at Lone Star Podcast to learn when new weekly episodes are ready. You ready to be encouraged? Please join Rabbi Dove Lipman and Pastor Trey Graham. Rabbi Dove, always great to speak with you. Glad to join you for this next edition of the Lone Star Podcast. Thanks so much. It's great to be with you as well. Look forward to it on a weekly basis. We do have a tragic story out of my state this week, a tragic incident at a church in Sutherland Springs, Texas. A gunman went into a very small Baptist church in a very small town located near San Antonio, Texas, and opened fire in a small congregation of about 50 people. 26 were killed and 20 were injured, meaning almost no one was uninjured or not attacked in this tragic circumstance. And so our hearts go out to the people. Pastor Frank Pomeroy is the leader of that congregation. And Rabbi, I want you to say a word about the value of life and how this, I know this saddens you, but then we're going to talk about how Israelis have had to learn to deal with tragedy in your circumstances as well. Yeah, so first of all, as I go online and I see the news as a, as a former American, uh, that's the first step where my, I can't believe my eyes. I can't believe that in the country where I grew up, uh, with this freedom of religion and freedom of worship and uh, such a special moment on, uh, in terms of uh, religious worship, uh, this could happen, and the loss of life and the, and the tragedy of such proportions. It was very difficult to read. But it's not something which I experience alone here in Israel as a former American. All Israelis, all Israel. It was the top story in all the news for a long time, trying to analyze how it could happen, what does it mean, what is going on. And uh, the first step is just the emotion. The first step is just your heart breaks for the suffering, for the loss of life, for the injured, for their families. And, and they're really, you know, it's something that you feel for all of mankind. But there's something special that bonds together the people of Israel, the people of the United States, and I think it's a, it's a deeper level of, of pain uh, when it's people who you feel so close to. We believe that evil exists in the world. We see it around us, and yet we also believe in a loving God and a protective Heavenly Father. And it's even more troubling when people are attacked while having Bible study, while having prayer services. And what I think our American audience needs to understand is that Israelis have had to go through similar circumstances with terrorism attacks. And one of the things is people ask Israelis, how do you move on? How do you get up and go to work the next day? How do you go back to church the next Sunday? And you guys have had to live that out. Talk about that. Yeah, let's remember, uh, you know, going back a while, but to the Yom Kippur War in the early 1970s, the holiest day of the year, people are in synagogue, they're praying, and they're, they're in the middle of repentance, and literally called to the front lines straight from there to deal with those attacks. But we've had the attacks in synagogues, we've had attacks in rabbinic seminaries. This is, this is uh, part of our experience here. And yes, we do accept the loving God, and we don't understand the ways of the world. We know, like you said, that there's evil. But here's the most important thing. When it happens, we mourn, we feel pain, and then we take a step back for a moment, and we just 
keep moving forward because we know that we're living in the most incredible of times. We know that the state of Israel, the land of Israel, what's happening here is so special. And we realize that the last thing that we can do is let evil bring us down. That's the worst thing we can do. If that's, by the way, the story of the Bible, that's the story of the people of Israel throughout the 2,000 years of exile. And I really hope that people in the United States, first and foremost, people in Texas, but people beyond that have the same approach because the United States is a remarkable country. It's a place of good. It's a place of faith. It's a place that's been built on faith. And people of faith have to just pick themselves up after these moments and just keep moving forward and keep embracing our beliefs and looking forward uh, to better times ahead. And it saddens me that anyone has to experience there uh, anything along the lines of what we experience here on a fairly regular basis. But once it is experienced, look to the people of Israel and look to that resilience, look to that ability to just pick up the next day and keep on going forward. As we finish our discussion about the terrible shooting here in Texas. I think you know, Rabbi, and our church members know at first, Melissa, that I sent a note out to our church family right afterwards, and I included a number of scriptures, but two I'd like to share, one Old Testament and one New Testament. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in our trouble. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 says, we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And we have to believe in the gift of eternal life. We have to believe in the gift of God's mercy. And even in the midst of the scary and the frightening and the tragic and the emotional, our ever-present help is still our Heavenly Father. Yep, and that's, and that's the approach that we have to take. And how, how do you see people in... Um Texas dealing with that. Are they embracing it in that way and coming out, despite all the suffering, uh, stronger, resilient, and ready to keep on moving where they, you know, moving forward? Well, there's been a lot of discussion here that if you think that you can stop the Christian movement, if you think you can stop people worshiping Jesus by attacking us, you've misread history. Just like if you think you can kill the Jewish people by attacking them, you've misread history. People of faith move forward even more boldly in the midst of crisis, in the midst of oppression. So that's not the way to stop either the Christian movement or the Jewish movement. I'm so happy to hear that, and, and it is something which we share. We, we, we come out of these moments stronger, we strengthen our faith, and we recognize that we are here to bring good to the world, to bring light to the world. And as long as we keep our focus, nothing, whether it's Islamic terrorism, whether it's a madman, whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is, nothing can get in our way of working towards that goal. And it, it warms my heart to know that uh, despite all the suffering, despite the pain, uh, that that's the approach that you're seeing there in Texas and in the broader United States. And hopefully both of our countries can continue to strengthen each other in that way. This is the Lone Star Podcast, the pastor and the rabbi talking together. And one of the things that we bring you each week is a discussion of the parashah, the Torah portion. And we're going to mix in a new story with this week's Torah portion because it fits perfectly. Remember to our American Christian audience, the parashah, the Torah portion, is a specific passage of Old Testament scripture that the Jewish people read each week in synagogue and have collectively for 2,500 years. It's what unites them in their knowledge of the Bible. This week's Torah portion covers Genesis chapter 23 through part of Genesis chapter 25. And when we bring a new story to you in a moment, you'll see how this story, which is about 4,000 years old, is actually very much alive today. Rabbi, 
Father Abraham and his wife Sarah are part of our story in Genesis 23. And Genesis 23.1 says Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at that point in time and was buried in a place called Kiriath Arba or Hebron in the land of Canaan. Abraham went to mourn and to weep for the loss of his wife. And of course, he wanted to bury her. So you pick up the story from there. So this is the most remarkable thing, and it's remarkable for me because of where I live, and you can get into my car and be there in uh, not, not under an hour. Uh, he found a place called Hebron. In Hebrew, it's Hebron, and as you said, near the city of Kiryat Arba. And Abraham made a decision that he's going to bury uh, his wife there. There's lots of commentaries about why that specific place, and it seems to relate to the holiness of that place. We even have a tradition that Adam and Eve were buried there, and Abraham found their bodies there and realized this is a place of God, and this is where he wants Sarah to be. Actually, the word Hebron, from the Hebrew word Hebron, Chibor means connection, a close connection, and that represents the close spiritual connection he has with his wife, was going to continue after her death, but also some kind of a spiritual connection that this place had to heaven. And the people of the place wanted to offer to him for free. Uh, you know, here, take it. And Abraham said, no, I'm going to pay for it. And then they charged him a whole lot of money, way beyond uh, any normal asking price, so to speak. And Abraham did it, and he paid for it. And he paid for it. It's recorded straight out uh, in the Bible. It's an, it's an amazing, amazing verse where you just see the terminology where it says straight out that he paid it, um, and it's his. And the Bible repeats it over and over and over again. It's a story where you could have told me the story in just one verse. But it says, again, and Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave. It's called the Cave of the Patriarchs or the Maratamach Pelah. It's a place in Hebron. This is where it's located. Property left the hands of the people who were living there and became the property of Abraham. And it's emphasized over and over again, the ownership and the special spiritual quality of this place. We're going to come back to Genesis 23, and I'll give you a few more details of the biblical story. But I want to take you to the New York Times. There is a story from October 2011. There was a conference in Paris of an organization called UNESCO. It is the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. UNESCO is the acronym. And the purpose of UNESCO is to determine heritage sites around the world. In October of 2011, the state of Palestine, which is not a state, became the 195th full member of UNESCO by a vote of the UNESCO membership. Now, a state that doesn't exist, Palestine, which many... Arabs and many Muslims want to exist and might exist someday after negotiation, but doesn't exist now, was made a full member of UNESCO in 2011. And we bring that to you to take you forward in time to also the New York Times to a story from July of 2017. So almost six years later, after the state of Palestine, which is not a state, becomes a member of UNESCO, UNESCO then declares in July last year, 2017, that Hebron is a Palestinian world heritage site. Now, what they are saying is this site is in danger of being taken over by the Jews and removing its Palestinian heritage from being there. Whereas, according to the Bible, in the story we're just talking about in Genesis 23, this is a Jewish heritage site all the way back to 
Abraham going to the gentleman that you mentioned, and his name is Ephron the Hittite, and paying the full market value, as listed in Genesis 23, of 400 shekels of silver, not taking it as a gift, buying it outright, which should indicate ownership of land, and yet UNESCO decided that this is a Palestinian heritage site, even though it is the burial site of what we call the patriarchs, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, etc. Rabbi, you're not only a student of the Bible, you're a politician. How is this logical in the UN ideology? You know, I think Prime Minister Netanyahu said it best when he called it uh, another delusional UNESCO decision. It's just an absurdity where people can take truth and turn it into falsehood and take white and make it black and black white. And it's just unbelievable that we live in a world where decisions of this kind can go. Now, I want to emphasize to everyone who's listening, the cave of the patriarchs in Hebron, uh, which obviously is a Jewish site, it's the place where, as you said, our forefathers and mothers are buried, but there's religious freedom for everyone there. It's actually most of the year the Muslim act of worship, and Jews are given access to the full cave only certain times of the year. But everybody knows that it's a Jewish whole site, and it always has been. And this declaration that it's not a Jewish site, that it's in danger, that we must protect it from the Palestinians, when the, the history is clear, when the Bible is clear, is something that is really completely absurd. And, and it's important, uh, Pastor Graham, for people of faith all around the world to be aware of these kinds of stories, because we're the ones who need to cry out against it and put the pressure uh, for this, these attacks against Israel, this removing connection of Israel to its biblical sites, that, that this should cease. It should stop, and we should be fighting uh, for the truth. So what is our response to it, though? Our response is this coming Sabbath, when we read that Torah portion, the, the part of the Bible, is that tens of thousands of Jews will be there worshiping, just like we talked about before. They want to attack us, we just get stronger. My daughter is going to be there with her classmates and her teacher, and experiencing, uh, just imagine this for a moment, 3,000 years later, uh, here they are at the, at the Cave of the Patriarchs, worshiping on the Sabbath. And that's what our response is to this, and we certainly hope that people of faith uh, from all around the world can recognize it as such. Is there anything in the in Christian faith about the Jewish connection to the site? You mentioned that there's the Jewish tradition that it's the burial site of Adam and Eve. That's not a biblical source, but the Bible does ex- right. explicitly say it's the burial place of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Leah. And so the Abrahamic covenant, when he said, out of your family line, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, will come Messiah. Of course, we as Christians believe that that family tree extends all the way through King David and all the way through Jesus of Nazareth. And when you read Matthew and Luke and they give the family tree or the genealogy of Jesus, they trace his Jewish heritage back. And so for Christians, this is the burial place of our spiritual mothers and fathers, just like it is for the Jewish people. And so what frustrates me as a political observer is when you ignore history and ignore reality and rewrite it to match your political agenda and no one calls you on it. And you have an organization that's supposed to be respected and intellectual like the UN and they are accepting a lie over a truth. And you know what's incredible about that is, so first of all, we have to join together to, to fight against that and use the power of both faiths together. 
to fight against that. But we have a tradition that there are three locations, as you look through the Bible, that were actually purchased. You don't have purchases of land. One is Abraham purchasing this land in Hebron. The other one is the purchase of uh, Shechem, which today they call Nablus, Shechem, right, yes. where Joseph is buried. Yes. And the third one is actually Jerusalem. These are three places where it's mentioned that it was bought from the Jebusites. And what's amazing is those are the three hotbeds of this battle where all of a sudden it's claimed that Jerusalem is not Jewish, that Shechem is not Jewish, that Hebron is not Jewish. And look at God paving the way and giving the uh, spiritual insight to our leaders to actually purchase those places, to have it recorded as such in the Bible, just to lay it out clearly for all of mankind. These are going to be places which others will try to claim and take away from you, but just open up your Bible and you'll see who actually purchased them. And it gives you the details, how much money was paid exactly, so that you can have no questions about it at all. And that's something which people of faith with Christians, the Jewish community, have to join together and cry out against. And uh, I must say, certainly uh, for all of us, there is a, has an intervention um, by the United States, certainly the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, tried very hard to stop that U.N. decision. And that's the beginning of that partnership where we can work together to fight against these absurd decisions. And there's two thoughts I bring to you. One is, if you believe the Bible is truth, then that will affect your politics. That will affect your decision-making. So if you believe that Genesis is true, then the U.N. should follow that and accept it as a Jewish heritage site. If you reject the Bible, then you will not accept it as part of the argument in the history discussion. The second thought is a term that Christians use is spiritual warfare that we live in the physical world, but we're fighting a spiritual battle. And so when you read the New York Times, when you're watching the UN's agenda, that is not just a physical world event, that is a spiritual world event that's trying to erase history and turn a lie into a truth and a truth into a lie. So Rabbi, your thoughts on how this is not just a political aspect, this is a spiritual warfare. When we talk about a Jewish holy site, we're not just saying that it's a place where we'll put a nice plaque and a sign and say, in this place, the following thing happened 3,000 years ago. It's a place which is alive and well for us today because of its spiritual nature. This is a place where we can connect spiritually, where we can feel holier, where we can feel elevated and closer to God and tap into the spiritual dimension that was brought to the world by our mothers and fathers. So when people are trying to pull that away from us, people are aware that they're cutting the Jewish people off from their spiritual connection. So it is very much a spiritual battle because I believe even they realize the significance that it has. In the very beginning of the state of Israel, when they were talking about that there was a battle for Jerusalem and there were some military leaders in Israel who were saying, listen, Jerusalem is done. Let's just focus our forces in places where we'll be fighting for our salvation. Prime Minister Ben-Gurion, uh, the first Prime Minister of Israel, said if we don't have Jerusalem, we don't have a heart, we don't have a soul. We have to fight for Jerusalem. But it's almost like they know that if they can pull Jerusalem away from us, if they can pull Hebron away from us, that they're defeating us spiritually. And that's why uh, I agree with your sentiment 100% that it's, it's a physical place that we're fighting for, but at the heart of the issue is a spiritual battle. And by the way, I invite all of the listeners, whatever faith people are from, this Sabbath, when we know there's a battle in the world going on about this issue, open up Genesis. Uh, you can read it. It's, it's the portion that's called the Chai Sarah, but you said it's chapter uh, 23 in Genesis. And, and just read it and, and connect to that story as well and pray uh, for the welfare of 
Hebron, that it should be accepted as part of the Jewish people, the Jewish people should thrive there, and, and that all people of faith should be able to connect spiritually there, because it's not a spiritual warfare of us against them in terms of the spiritual side, it's people of spirit versus people of not, and we need to strengthen our spiritual connection through prayer, through going there, come to Israel, visit Hebron, see it for yourself, connect to that 3,000-year, uh, not just tradition, but fact that this is the place where Abraham walked, this is the place where Abraham buried Sarah, and this is a place of Jewish spirituality and holiness. To finish up the Torah portion, before I ask the rabbi a broader question, in Genesis 25, starting in verse 7, it says, Abraham lived 175 years, then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite, the field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. So Abraham wanted to be with his wife Sarah. He fully purchased it at the going market value of what the real estate cost at the time. And that is a biblical source that the UN chose to ignore when they created this idea that it is a Palestinian heritage site. And so, Rabbi, my last question of you for today's podcast is, this is an example of reading your Bible and reading your newspaper at the same time and having a biblical worldview, as the Christian term is, to see what's happening in the world. Give our listeners a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of training. How can they read the Bible and the news at the same time? First of all, what always amazes me is how current events, if you look at it with a broader perspective, actually reflect things that are talked about in the Bible. You know, as you see the Jewish people in the land of Israel, with all of its battles and all of its difficulties, uh, we always had difficulties, we always had challenges, um, and we have a concept that in Hebrew it's called Maaseh Avot Siman Lebanim, which means what happens to the fathers happens to the sons. The stories of the Bible were to teach us how to deal with things which will come up in our times. So just like we see the people of Israel struggled in the land of Israel, in biblical times, but how they persevered through it, that's what we're supposed to do today as well. But I wanted to give one example, because it says in the verse that you quoted, that who came to bury Abraham? It says Isaac, but also Ishmael, the forefather of the Muslim community. He came to bury Abraham in the cave of the patriarchs in Hebron. And there's two things that you see from that. First of all, uh, again, you see the involvement of both of the sons in recognizing this place as the place where Abraham is buried in this Jewish holy site. But more than that, our tradition teaches us that Ishmael returning back to bury Abraham indicates and foretells a time when, yes, there will be struggles between the children of Isaac and the children of Ishmael, but at a certain point in time, that wound also will be healed, and all mankind will come together in the worship of God. And as time goes along, I really believe, as you see the extremism growing in the Muslim community, there's also tremendous amount in the moderate community of reaching out and, and trying to work together with Israel. We live in a time today where, my goodness, gracious, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, 
Egypt, the Gulf states, they're reaching out to Israel to work together. And I'm not saying that we've reached utopia or that we've healed all those wounds completely, but that's literally, when you read the newspaper that Arab states are reaching out to Israel and working together, that is a fulfillment of this concept of Ishmael coming back and burying Abraham and recognizing the relationship they have to have with Israel and the Jewish people. And that gives me tremendous strength because with all the challenges, you actually can see these ideas that are written in the Bible. You can actually see them playing out in, in, in our times. And that's the way you have to you know, look at the stories together, have the broader perspective, understand where the ultimate goal is, is heading. Thank God that we live in times where we can see these things coming true. Always enjoy my time with you, my rabbi friend, and look forward to our next time discussing the parashat together. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Pastor. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom to all the listeners. Remember, Genesis 23, read it this Saturday. Connect with all of us, and let's together elevate this idea spiritually of Hebron as a special and holy site to the Jewish people and the people of Israel. Thank you for joining us for the Lone Star Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Lone Star Podcast to learn when new episodes are ready. Please join Rabbi Dove Lipman and Pastor Trey Graham next time to expand your mind and encourage your soul. May the Lord bless you and draw you to himself this week.